Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Frankie and Mir. Hello and welcome to Just Make the Thing, a podcast for people like me. I'm your host, Claire Tonti. For people who want to start a thing and keep on making it, if you think I sound like Tweety Bird with my lisp, you would be right. I've had some dental surgery this week. Um, you can see some silly photos I took on my Instagram at Claire Tonti if you're interested. And because of that, we've delved back into the archives for a beautiful story I've been saving from a friend of Chanel Luchev's, my lawyer, yoga and teaching, instructing person. This special lady is called Natalie Story and her story is so inspiring. She's a marriage celebrant among many other things and a mum and she shared a beautiful, beautiful, raw and honest story of her life, what she's been through and how she still managed to achieve all that she has. I'll let her tell her story and Chanel took the lead a lot in this interview because obviously she's a friend of hers so I hope you enjoy it. She's great and I'm fine. I just sound a little bit like Tweety Bird but that's all folks. (laughs) Actually was that Tweety Bird? I don't even know. Anyway on with the story from Natalie's story. So both Claire and I as you know we are uh, married and have been through the whole. I'm like, uh, we've been through. We we that both made got, it sound like we were married. Like maybe Chanel Claire, and I are married. Well, hopefully, maybe be legal soon. Yeah, and maybe one day we get really sick of our husbands. One no. day, no, <laughs> no, we love them. No, I actually really do. I really yeah. love him. Yeah, Goran's yeah. all right. He's he's all right. Um, so I, my question actually is because we both got married in the church. Our families are both. Catholic, um, you're so you're a wedding celebrant. Correct. Yes. So, what is it exactly that you do other than get up on the day and stand in front of the couple and do the wording, do the do the thing? Yeah. So, there's a whole heap of legal stuff that goes into being a celebrant. Yeah. So, there are two things that have to be done before the ceremony. One is the notice of intended marriage, mm-hmm. which is exactly the same for a celebrant as it is for a priest. Yeah. It's all the document that's the identifying stuff about who you are and who you know what you do for work and where you live and who your parents are so it forms part of the identity document and that has to be done at least a month before the wedding but up to 18 months before the wedding so australia is i think one of the um is the country that has the longest notice time so you know oh. when you watch um, uh, like american tv shows and they're always talking about getting an american license or yeah. a wedding license it's effectively that kind of thing it's a notice that you're planning on getting married because you've got to have okay. a month, month to do that. So I've got to fill all that paperwork out and with the couple, make sure it's all correct, check IDs and things. And then just before the wedding, you've got to do something called the Declaration of No Legal Impediment to Marriage. Okay. What is that? Yeah, yeah. I have not heard of this before. I didn't know that I did that. No, I don't think so, I did. I do that. <laughs> yeah, you would have. So it's a stat deck that says, I'm over 18. Um, I'm not married already. Actually, I do remember. I remember the priest asking us that question. Are you already married? Uh, not that I'm aware of. No. So it's a step deck, basically. Mm. It has to be done before the wedding. And then on the day, I've got to make sure there's two aspects from a, a civil celebrant's perspective that have to be done in a ceremony. Mm. One's the monotum, which is the really fun bit about what the legal requirements for a wedding are. Mm-hmm. And then there's the um, two 
the couple have to say the legal words. So the legal vows, which is I call upon the persons here present to witness that I, blah, 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 take you, blah, 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 to be my lawful wedded husband or wife. Oh. Yeah. So from a, you don't, I don't think, well, I'm not really sure, but I don't think from a um, religious ceremony that they have to say that, they, but the wording in a civil ceremony has, has to, to say those. Yeah. Oh, so at a very minimum, yep. if I send a monotum and the couple say their legal vows, that's all you need. Yeah, right. right. So what the celebrant does is actually make sure the ceremony is personalized and, you know, is about the couple and you can write as much or as little as the couple want. As long as I've got those two legal parts in it, everything else is set. Mm, it's my responsibility to make sure that paperwork gets to the birth, deaths and marriages as well mm-hmm. in 14 days of the wedding happening mm. so that it gets registered. And how did you get into this little side business? Because as far as I understand, you have two children and another an actual day job as well. Yes, so yes, that's, that is true. <laughs> uh, so I was a bridesmaid six times. Holy and, moly. Yeah. That is a lot. That's like the show, the Captain Nigel one, the movie, 27, 27 Dresses. dresses. Yeah. We've only got 21 more to go. That's right. Well, mm. if you count in the two times I was a uh, flower girl, so I've got a couple other dresses there too. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> nine. Yeah. That's really impressive. Yeah. yeah. I love weddings. Weddings are great fun. And um, it's just a chance for me to get involved in people's days. And I mean, yes, I work at a bank and I like customer service and being able to get give someone a really happy day is something that makes me really happy. So was there a moment or a thing that went, that made you like tipped you over the edge to go, you know what? I want to be the woman of the man up there being like, guys, celebrate love. My sister was getting married and I randomly decided to become her celebrant because she was getting married um, in my dad's backyard. Oh, that's really lovely. That's fun. And so then you did all the training and everything so that you could. Yeah, so you've got to do a certificate. I think it's a certificate too, but it's a a certificate in applied celebrancy, um, a certificate to a celebrancy, and you've got to go through a whole process with the Attorney General's office to get accredited. Mm -hmm. It's like questionnaires and submitting. Attorney General? Yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, so the. Attorney General is um, the law that I work under is actually through the Attorney General's office. So, wow. Yeah, because so, the Marriage Act is a Commonwealth yeah. legislation. That's right, yeah. So, so I, can sign, I can sign stat decks, Commonwealth stat decks, but not state stat decks. So That makes total sense, don't totally, you Totally, because the government always makes sense. <laughs> what, so this, what I find really interesting about all of this is the the um, plebiscite and all of the stuff around gay marriage that we're going through at the moment because if it does go through, that'll change your job yes. hugely. Yes. Do you have couples come to you who want to have um, get married but obviously not in a legal sense if they're gay? Yeah, so commitment ceremonies, yeah. yes, absolutely. I haven't done any because I've only been doing this for a couple of years but I know a lot of celebrants do that. I'd be happy to do it if people just wanted to have a commitment ceremony but I think people at the moment are just really – waiting to see what will happen in the next week or so. Yeah. What? How do you feel about it? I am embarrassed that it's taken to get to this, to where we're at. I think we're going to look back as a country at this mm. and be very embarrassed it's taken us so long. Right. Well, yeah, especially I guess from your perspective, being someone that does ceremonies all the time and it's not a legal, a religious thing. I mean, because that's obviously a separate issue for people's religious beliefs, but as something that is a legal document, it must seem almost strange that you just can't do that for couples who are gay, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's working under the legislation as it is. So I understand that, but I think the legislation needs to be changed because 
I don't feel that as a country or as, you know, that we have the right to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Mm. And, and speaking to a lot of um, or hearing a lot of, I often say speaking to when really it was a podcast I was listening to. You do this a lot. Actually, I do so this do I. I was having lot. this conversation with someone. Actually, no, I, no, I was wasn't. Just it was listening a, to someone I was else talk. passively listening and wishing <laughs> I could contribute. But, uh, and also I've seen a lot of um, the community or the now I'll never get the number of letters right. L G B T Q I. And someone said A the other day as well for What's asexual. A? Oh. Yeah. I don't, anyway, that number of letters. Um so for their community, I, I hadn't obviously it, in the end it's not it doesn't really affect me being a straight woman. Um, but I've watched it and like you been embarrassed. But then I I hadn't really taken it into account just how much it would affect people, the d- the debate around it. I understand the implications for couples who can't get married and how terrible that is. But the survey, I, I thought, well, the survey kind of seems silly and such a waste of money, but let's do it if we have to, if this is what it comes to, to be able to just get this legislation through. But then the, and I kind of didn't think that it would be that damaging or that hurtful, but mm. the amount of people that I've heard speak who have said it's been really brought up a lot of past history for them. They've been, ended up back in counselling. It would be so triggering it. for some people. Yeah, he, triggering is exactly the word if I was If you could for. sort of imagine um, being born born a certain way, you, you are who you are and you innately you can't change who you are and then, mm. I don't know, being discriminated against because of that and then becoming an adult and wanting to love who you love and then everyone feeling the right to be able to vilify you as a result yeah of I, it. yeah I even heard um some people talking about the fact that they thought that it because we live in generally particularly if you're in Melbourne or Sydney quite a liberal society and you'd move in the kind of circles that you do in that kind of thought bubble so you think it, everyone thinks everyone like, you. Thinks like yeah. you and you're just you know watching Dancing with the Stars and hanging out on a Monday night after work and not really having to deal on a daily basis with that kind mm. of um, homophobia or aggression and then uh, yeah and and sort of just you, you would just become comfortable with who you are. And so this has kind of dragged up this kind of realisation that actually not everyone accepts it yet. So yep. it's going to be so interesting to see how the landscape changes. What the outcome's changes. like and what yeah. that will mean potentially for your business and your creative pursuit. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, and actually just going back to your job, so before we had this interview, we've had, we had a little text message exchange, you and I, and you were saying we were trying to figure out a time and you were saying to me, oh, I've got an appointment on Saturday and then something on Sunday morning but I can come on Sunday afternoon. And I was like, right. And then it occurred to me, she has two kids, she has a husband, she has a job. How does she do all of this plus this little side project? And a lot of our listeners are always trying to find the time or make room in their lives for their creativity. So um, I guess my question is how do you do it and sort of manage to stay sane and balanced? Yeah, great question. Finding time is the hardest part. But I think if it's something that you're passionate about, you make the time for it. Yeah, right. So when I when I sat down to do the course originally, I had a couple of days face-to-face and then you have a period of time that you can finish doing the rest of the assignments and submit them to get assessed. And I put myself, I put a time on it for myself. I said I'll give myself three months. I'll, I think I had six to do it. I'll give myself three months to do it and I'll purposely make sure I get that done in that time frame. 
And because it's something I actually wanted to do, I found myself getting home from work, getting the kids to bed and then actually studying. Wanting to do it. Doing it because I actually made the time for it. So yeah. when it comes to stuff for me, only for me, I find it a real struggle. So I'm terrible at doing things like going out for a walk or, you know, going to the gym or anything like that. I'm terrible. The at gym's that. hard though. I feel like the gym <laughs> is one of those things, you know, it's good for you, but maybe it feels better to not go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm just terrible with things like that but this is because it's it's I enjoy it I love mm, I yeah. love getting to know people in some of the happiest times of their lives I absolutely adore it um it's quite it's quite an electrifying environment to be around when people are so happy and talking about why they're so happy together because it's for other people as well as for me mm-hmm. I help I find it easy to prioritize it so yeah okay time for it. Oh, that's so interesting yeah that is interesting yeah so when, when it's something that's you, you know that you love you find time you make time for mm. it so I always joke I don't sleep enough when I def- definitely don't sleep enough but I do try and make sure I carve out time but it does mean and everyone's got the same thing especially working mothers but you you're always trying to balance between your family life and your work life and your personal life and trying to find the right balance but there's never any right balance mm. it's kind of like you know, the little chords you move up and down. So you kind of, one day you're going to have more in work and the next day it's going to be more in family and the next day it's going to be more yourself. Mm-hmm. As long as you're kind of always trying to balance it. It'll, it's, it's just a balancing act. Yeah, right. Just you don't com- always get it right. No, it's just a seesaw effect, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's really complicated. Do you ever feel guilt? Always, constantly. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> underlying. What is it? It's like, you're a woman now, here's some guilt. <laughs> Take it. Thank you. Yeah. No matter what you do, it's good. Like, you know, so um, my my husband had to work the other day in the city, so someone was looking after our kids for us, um, and I called to say thank you for doing that. And they're like, oh, your husband's saying, John was saying that you're coming home for dinner tonight. The kids are like, yay, mommy's going to be home for dinner. And they're like, it was so sweet. I'm like, yeah, it's not because they haven't seen me for dinner. <laughs> So it is sweet that they want to see me. That what does that tell you about? <laughs> Which is you know is really challenging as well. But uh, the my full time job my full time job is quite full time and it's mm. quite full on mm. and it's, I, it's it's great fun but it's really challenging and uh, so it does mean that sometimes I'll set a timeline of I need to leave at X time and it's much later than that when I actually get out of the office. But when I've got couples that I'm meeting with, you just set a time and say I've got to have it done and. You, you shuffle yep. it around. It's a bit of using flexibility as well, right? Yeah. So I'll often be working later. Yeah, right. the night. And, and being organized, I guess, through having to get your head around all of the things and yeah. all the balls in the air because you manage a team. Is that right? What's your actual role that you do for a day job? So I'm the head of FX Money Market Operations. So my team I knew does, it was the head of something. That sounds so professional it and does. huge. It does, <laughs> doesn't it? It's, um, so our team does settlements and confirmations for the bank globally so bloody is- hell <laughs> yeah how did you get into like how did you end up there do you think oh, that's a big question mm. so I have a science degree and I was looking for a temp job to get me out of Woolies and- <laughs> everyone starts at a supermarket or one of those kind of baker's delight you were baker's delight yeah. I was Coles hey there we go <laughs> they're, the, they're the jobs that let young people in pretty easily yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they'll let anybody in <laughs> they, they like a like they like a young casual workforce because it's uh they don't have to pay as much than the you know for the uni students but um I was working there and trying to look for a full-time job in science and was only half half-heartedly looking 
And there was a temp job at somewhere my sister um, sister worked and I went there and that was 16 years ago and I'm still in banking. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. Science degree. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. that happens so often that mm. what you study at uni, you just don't use. Yeah. Even when it's the job that's, when it's related to your work, mm. often that happens. I think it's the skills you get from it. So for me, the reason I like my full-time job so much is that a lot of the skills I learned from a science perspective and why I like science, I get to use in my day job. So it's the questioning. Why mm. do we do this? Why, do, why did that go wrong? What do we need to fix? It's mm. the always trying to get to the right answer and delve into it. And I worked at Woolies for eight years. So it's that customer service thing about dealing with people and getting people a good outcome. And that's that's why I like that too. So Yeah, and problem solving. Problem solving. Mm. And the systems and kind of that cause and effect stuff. Correct, yeah. Yeah. The more complicated it is, the more fun it is to try and understand how it all connects together. That's like so. Like connections. That's so interesting. So, because not everyone starts as a temp and then ends up being the boss. Well, yeah, that's, that was <laughs> what I was thinking. How do you go from a temp job into, was it sort of just a natural progression? Yeah, because of, well, I think it goes a lot to my curiosity about how things are. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always wanted to learn more. And so whenever an opportunity would come available, I wasn't necessarily looking for opportunities, but if there was, you know, oh, there's a project we've got, would you be interested in working on it? Sure, absolutely. So I'd work on something and use knowledge I'd you know, learnt from the last job to help me with the next one. So I've bounced between operations and project work um, a mm-hmm. number of times. And it's it's just understanding how things tie together. And the more that you learn that, the more opportunities you're given and the more you can get out of your comfort zone. So, yeah. And it yep. is, and it's been, it's getting used to getting out of your comfort zone as well because mm. that's how you find the next opportunity. Yeah. And I think it's, if you're the kind of person that sort of likes to be stretched and motivated, then you tend to progress sort of relatively quickly, I guess. Sometimes, but then sometimes you don't. I reckon that there's, there must be more. So your curiosity, but is there something around also having high standards and and like yeah. perfectionism or wanting to get things done really yes. well? So I'm my own worst critic. Ah, there we go. Right? Mm. I'm absolutely my own worst critic. And so I will stress about things that people won't stress about. I'll prepare for conversations mm. for hours and hours if I think it's going to be a hard conversation. And even if it goes well, I'll still be worried about it if it was right. Wow. So I have like, because I want to do the right thing for people all the time. Yeah. I don't want to ever disappoint people, which is really hard because you're going to disappoint people. Yeah, you are. Sure. You can never get it, make everybody happy. Correct. And when you're managing a team, that's a wonderful skill to have, but it must also be really torturous. It is. But mm. or what I found, um, what I found with that is I actually find that relatively straightforward because even even difficult conversations, as long as you're bringing your true self and you're being honest about, you know, motivations, people will understand in, in a lot of ways. It doesn't mean you're not going to disappoint people, but at least you can tell them the truth about what's going on, why things are. I think at least that's the best, you know, that's the best way to deal with it because people, people are people. You want to be treated with respect tra- respect and yeah. understanding and feel like you know, you know, you've got some agency about the decisions being made around you as well, so... And do you find that there are similarities between your day job and your side business as well, like in the sort of the way that you kind of apply yourself or the way that you deal with people? Do you yeah. think there are similarities in the work? There are. So, yeah, absolutely. Being diligent in 
like the legal perspective of mm-hmm. work, making sure papers all right. It's absolutely the same thing I have to do every day at, at my day job because you've got to be diligent in what you're doing. Yeah. But also understanding what people are telling you and listening to what they're actually telling you, understanding what you need to do with that, mm-hmm. re-clarifying, making sure you're getting the right outcome. It mm-hmm. is just making sure you're having those constant conversations. Mm. So it's, you know, it's communication is such a major part of both of the jobs. Yeah. Um, mm. And, you know, they can be – both can have challenges. Yep. It's coming to it with a pretty positive attitude as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And what um, what skills do you think this creative pursuit um, has allowed you to develop sort of separately from your job? Is there anything this side business has sort of really helped you to grow and develop within yourself that's kind of unique? No, I think so. I think it was there beforehand. It just gives me an outlet to actually use it. Oh, okay. Yep. Because right. I've got a very, I've got a very, the job is fairly dry. The full time mm-hmm. job is fairly dry. So mm-hmm. I don't get a lot of outlet for creative. Yep. The, yep. It's not, a, you know, as much as I can, but it's not really, you know, you're dealing with numbers and on a page all the time. So yeah, it's, right. Yeah. Pretty dry. Um, and this just gives you a chance to, to, connect more on a one on one basis with people. Okay. So I'm a real people person. I really like to get in front yep. of people and chat with them. And- well, it's lovely mm. being about, around people in love, though, yeah, isn't it? It is. It's like infectious. Yes, it is. Love, Very much love, so. Love. Yeah. It's <laughs> I know. I love bloody weddings. They're so great. They uh, are, yeah. I cry all the time. It's the best. Yeah. Like the happy cry. Um, I haven't really uh, – it sounds like a funny question mm. – I've been reading Jamila Risby's book, um, Not Just Lucky, about women in the workplace and and all of that kind of stuff. How have you, from a personal perspective, found being a woman in your role? So I work in an area and industry that is really male-dominated. So when I first started in this particular team, there was four women in a team of 40. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, geez, that's really sad. So much testosterone yes. just floating around. It's really interesting. And I've kind of almost become blind to it a lot of times. So I'll be in a meeting room and I'll be having a discussion with people and I'll realise I'm the only people person in a team of eight in a room that's the, the female in the room. And the company I work for are really conscious of that and they are really trying to do stuff about that. Um, and do you find that – sorry, do you find that's a like – uh, similar across the banking yeah. sector, it's mm. very male, sort of top heavy and it dominant. Is, it is, and part of it is part of it is the roles that. So my team does nights and days, and it can be really challenging for people to work nights and days. And with young families, it can mm. be really hard, especially for women, to take the role of being the person that needs to work on night shift or work at an adjusted shift that starts at two o'clock in the afternoon, right? Um, and a lot of women will choose different careers different areas to work in because it doesn't suit the lifestyle right Mm -hmm. and what we're trying to do in our team is have as much flexibility as we can so we can support that it is still really challenging it's also the way that um the jobs are advertised too right you know um they come across as very they can come across and we we used to find a long time ago that we used to get a lot more male candidates um applying for jobs Mm -hmm. It it has changed a lot in the last 10 years we are getting more females through why how would they phrase the phrase it to make women go yeah I don't it's, know. It's just the it's just the way the way the role is presented, right? So as I said, it's twenty four hours. It's you could be working days and nights. You can be shifted around a lot, and a lot of that instability can be really hard when you've got young families. Mm. When that's you know looking at career perspective, that can be really challenging. Do you think that women often also project ahead? Yes. So it's not, even though you might be in your early twenties and nowhere near that yet, you're thinking, oh, that role eventually won't suit me. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and one of the reasons it worked for me was when I started working on, because I worked night shift in the team. When I was managing the night shift team, my husband was studying, so he wasn't home after hours anyway because he was doing an MBA. And so see if he's not home, it doesn't really matter if I'm not home either. Mm. Right? So I, I was it working. It works for you at it the worked. end. Yeah. It was really challenging. So we'd see each other for maybe 10, 15 minutes every day. Oh, my goodness. Wow. we had one car between us. And oh so goodness. he'd go to uni at finish at nine o'clock at night and I'd go and meet him at uni so he could drop me off at work and he could take the car home and then he'd come back in the morning at six o'clock in the morning, drive the car to me and then he'd go to work and I'd take the car from wow. work. Wow. I feel like, like you almost need a standing ovation for that logistical Yeah, range. I know. That is so impressive. How do you do it now? <laughs> what does your husband do if you don't mind me asking? So he's a he's a transport planner. He does he works for the government and um, he he works a lot of hours from home. So he has most of his days from home. He goes into the city one or two days a week depending. Um, and it just means he can support this particular career I have, but also it means our kids have got a bit of stability in the house too. Yeah. So they've always got a parent oh. at home at the moment. And do you have two cars now? We do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. How, that's so – see, a, a lot of what this conversation I think now about women in work in general in Australia has turned to that, the crux of that issue, that in order for women to have careers that you do, you need to have – and kids, you need to have a partner. Who's going to support it. Who's going to support it and mm. work flexibly in the same way that blokes for generations and all those blokes looking at that ad that go, oh, 24 hours a day, pff, yeah, no worries, even if – if they're thinking of having a family. Mm. I, think, I think this is the other yeah. thing to it too, right? Um, guys will look at it, I think, at, I can't remember where I was. It was a course or something and they were saying, it'll say 20 hours shift and guys will just go, yes, without thinking about what the implications are on the family, mm. knowing that they've got the support that people will support them in whatever decision. It'll all just work out. Work. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and whereas women tend to be more planners and have to understand what that logistics is going to look like and how we do it yep. and work it through and step it through and, and that can that can put – put them off the mm. role right? which is a shame because i think that same skill is what you want in employees yeah. or at least you want to balance you want the risk like and women risk taken and guys can be planners too but in broadly broad strokes broad right. strokes you want both you yeah. want you want people who are like yeah i'm in i'm doing it whatever and then you also want the planners and the all the possible outcomes. Mm. I saw a video once where they described men's brains as having being in separate boxes mm. and women's are like a friggin' network of yeah. just like spider webbing and everything is connected to everything. And obviously broad strokes, big generalizations. Um, but I think you want a balanced yeah. team. Mm. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, you want diversity of thought. You don't want the same thought coming at you. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. just, it just doesn't work. We just don't get ahead. You don't learn. No one learns by doing it that way. And no, you can't be successful if you're not thinking about or you don't have inputs from every different perspective that you can get your hands on. And it's really important to do that because, I mean, so, you know, working in a bank, we service the community. If it is everyone in my team is exactly the same, we're going to be servicing one area of the community really well because that's the way we all think. Mm. But there'll be other yeah. areas that just don't get what they need out of it. We really so need to be looking at diversity. Yeah. yeah, completely. I think it's – I was watching something about um, Hollywood. Obviously, that's the hot topic with Harvey mm. Weinstein and um, all of those, the treatment of women in Hollywood. But what I also thought was interesting was just that most films, particularly not so much now, but over time, 
if men are directing, writing, producing, funding everything, then you get a one-sided version of what women reality are, is. of reality too. Yeah, yeah exactly, because you're getting stories told about women from a man's perspective yeah. and that can be great, but it can also be just, yeah, one version of things. And so I don't think that we're saying, oh, workforce should be just woman full of women, no, yeah. you, but you do need a balance for things to yeah but but then men's roles need to change so that's right yeah and and being able to take that so it's it's accepted that women will say i have to leave early because i've got a childcare commitment yeah but it is a lot harder for guys to feel that they can say that because there's a lot of stigma for guys to be able to do that Mm. and does that happen at your in your workplace at the moment are there men that do some of the carers roles yeah there are yeah then we've got a couple people that leave early a couple times a week so they've got you know so they can see their family do stuff with their family and, and really try right um, and I think it's really important for them to be able to do that. We've got yeah. people that, you know, can take paternity leave and have periods of like three months off work so that they can actually spend time with their young, very young children, which is just so important. Yeah. Mm. Really important. Hugely. Yeah. How did you go taking maternity leave? So I had 18 months off with both of my kids. Um, when I had my first son my husband actually got injured in a surgery and so he ended up with a chronic illness. Oh, God. So um, while – so one of the reasons I took extra time off was so that I could get my son to a point where he could actually get a care in a a reasonable way and he was a bit older and could deal with it. But we were also trying to deal with my husband's illness and his diagnosis to start with. Um, And then – I was actually pregnant when I went back to work. Oh my so god! Holy moly! Natalie, <laughs> yeah, so you don't do things by halves, no. mate. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I um, I anytime I get really busy, I actually add more things into my schedule. Yeah, <laughs> just, that just, sounds like somebody else I know. <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to. My house totally isn't in boxes, <laughs> and we're not going to a recording studio tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. So um, so. I found it really interesting. I'm I'm really lucky. I've got a really good support network at work. My bosses were really great and they kept me involved in what was going on, and, and which they should, but it, it can be really hard to do that. And I always felt like I knew what was going on. Mm. Part of the reason I came back when I was pregnant um, with my second child was because I wanted to make sure I still connected to the network of what was going on mm. and, and kind of immerse myself back in. Um, the the this landscape of the team changes really quickly because we get a lot of people, you know, fairly young people coming into the team mm-hmm. and they get new opportunities, which is great for them. Um, and they go and find their new, new part of their career, right? The next stage in their career. So mm-hmm. we get a lot of turnover. Um, but yeah, so I came back in. I found it really challenging coming back originally. Can imagine. Think, yeah. So, um, but you get into a bit of a routine with it and kids are just so resilient. So um, there's childcare at my work. So my kids came to do childcare at work. <gasps> oh, great. really? Yeah, it's that awesome. Is so yeah. progressive. It's That's really awesome. And it just means that I never had that stress of if I'm five minutes late, I'm going to miss the train and then I'm going to be an hour late to go get To pick them up. If I'm five minutes late, I'm five minutes late to go downstairs and worst comes to worst, I can go downstairs, pick the kids up and bring them back upstairs for 10 minutes. That's really great. And just be able to pop in and go, here's this, I forgot. Or Mm. or they can check in and say he's not feeling well or she's not feeling well and you can pop in. and Yeah. And because working in the city, you know, we're a good hours out of the city. 
being if they were sick right yes i could i'd still take me a little bit of time to get myself organized but i could take the 10 15 minutes to get organized and it would only be 10 15 minutes before i need to go and get my kids mm. not that plus then commuting back to go see them where you've got distressed kids at home but yeah right. yeah if you've got a lot of blokes in your workplace did they take that child care option yeah so yeah there are a lot of guys um there are a lot of guys who work in the building who've got their kids at child care so the the childcare is for employees of the company. It doesn't matter who, which you know if it's the gender or whatever, yeah, mm. which parent it is that's got the child. The, yeah, so, and that's it's really cool. it's very progressive for a financial institution to yeah. sort of have those things yeah. in place. I mean, that's the way that the world should be. Yeah, like in an idea, like in a utopian society, oh, we'd all be able to have that degree of support and care. Like I work in the public service. There's no childcare facilities in the building I work in. <laughs> it's meant to be family friendly. Yeah. But um, no, that's that's really it's that's great. really wonderful. There's yeah. actually two of them too. There's one in the building I'm in and there's another one and the childcare and oh one of the other buildings. So wow. it's just it's just great. It, it work's been really supportive. Mm. They, yeah. And they really do try and keep keep their female employees Mm -hmm. being able to come back in and keep contributing to what's going on right Mm. it's important to have diversity definitely people to be able to give the diversity yeah what what do workplaces need to be able to do that do you think they need to they need to actually talk with the staff and understand what the staff actually need Mm -hmm. and actually listen to that because having the facilities there have been really great and i think there's been a lot of dialogue across the way to actually get to that point to understand what it is that would actually support people coming in. I think some of it's really obvious. I think some of it's not so obvious. So, you know, flexibility of um, flexibility of being able to do work from home is really great to a point. I think you also have got to be able to make sure you've got the right support for people who are working from home because yeah. that can be really um, isolating as well. Mm. Um, being able to work work in the city is great, but also being able to have places you can go to that are closer to home and doing some work from there is actually really supportive as well. So we've got two sites that we work from and I know there's people in some of the other teams that will come and work at our alternate site for a couple of days just so that they're closer to home and, you know, they still get their full day's worth of work. They're with a team of people they know, yeah. but then they can actually support their family a bit easier too than having mm. a massive commute into the city every single day. Yeah, that's complete. I completely agree that listening is one of the number one things, right? In any pers- in personal relations, obviously in your job, in both your jobs, yeah. and as a mum and as a human, and it's not something we necessarily always do. Yeah, I think I the think. other thing that's really important as well is to ask if you need something, right? Because oh. I think a lot of people won't. They just they, don't ask they, for help. Don't, they won't, don't feel that they're entitled to ask for something for a flexibility perspective. Okay. So, you know, whether it be they want to, you know, I don't have kids so I shouldn't feel like I can leave early but I want to go and learn a language and that means a commitment one, one night a week that I'm going to need to leave early. They should feel comfortable being able to ask for that because the more we can support all of our staff, regardless of what's going on in their life, the more that they'll bring of themselves to work and the more that people are engaged and the more they actually enjoy what they're doing and the better mm. success you have and what you're doing. Yeah, well, you've found that, haven't mm. you? You've been able to find in your new job some yeah. flexibility with your yoga. Yeah, yeah. So my current boss is fantastic and he um, is just really supportive of me kind of managing my hours and because of that, I, I'm actually working probably a lot harder and doing a lot more interesting and challenging work than I've ever done 
because I just know that he is okay with me being able to just manage myself. I mean, it, it does help that I'm my own team, so I've got no one to report to me <laughs> yeah. or reports to me. But at the same time, I mean, I think there is a very slow progression away from this requirement to have everybody there in all their of office the time. between, mm. you know, 8 and 5.30 or whatever hours they are, five days a week, that this is necessary because it, there's some sort of implication that people are working harder, which I don't think is actually true. No, t- yeah. totally. Yeah. The work should speak yes. more than the time necessarily. Correct. Yeah. So, so it's challenging. So the thing for, for my team in particular, it's challenging because we've got certain things that need to be done at certain times. So we need people around at certain times. Yeah, sure. Right? So I'm, I am a massive believer of given that we have to be here for certain times and certain things where there are aspects that we can do for flexibility, we should use it as much as we can. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, because there are things that we can't be flexible about. So we can't work from home. We can't mm. take our payment systems to our. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Make life a bit difficult. I think maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, we can't, there's things that we can't do. So where there are things that we can, we should encourage people to do it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if that means starting really early or finishing really late, you know, we've got people who, because I've got a 24 hour shift, we've got people who start at 8 pm at night at the moment and, you know, or 1 am in the morning, right? God, and, yes. Know, which is, you know, which suits some people and, you know, others it doesn't suit, just working around what actually works for them and understanding what people's, you know, what fits in with people and working together to get a good outcome. Can you be my boss? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though, right? I think that people aren't just a drone that have to be there nine yep. to five or whatever it is. I think if you look after employees holistically and make sure that their work and life can fit in balance, mm. surely they'll work harder and more productively. You know, we don't have to do things in the old way. This isn't related, <laughs> but... I have a present for you from like the marvellous really people. That's a really inappropriate segue. Frankie and Mir. Oh, I know, yay, but yay, it is yay. kind of great because look what it says on the label. I, I already opened it. <gasps> you are marvellous. I am marvellous. You are. Thanks, Frankie. Well, now I have some copy that I'm going to read. Okay. To, to, to further tell everyone about Frankie and Mir. So their mission is to make aromatherapy accessible and fun for everyone. Woo-hoo. Did you feel like it was accessible and fun? I did. Certainly did. With silly <laughs> names that can genuinely help with health and well-being. Mm. They use all natural ingredients, pure essential oils, no synthetic perfumes or fragrance oils. So they're multi-purpose. They mm-hmm. can be used as a perfume, mm-hmm. a room spray, a linen spray, and they can help you um, to relax. They also help you to sleep. They help you with stimulation. They even help you with road rage and PMS Chanel. With road rage. Road rage you can spray it in your car. Really? Yeah, there's one specifically for road rage. Is there? <laughs> it is. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and so it works, aromatherapy works in two ways. Your sense of smell is 10,000 more acute than sight or sound and travels to the brain faster. Really? It affects the limbic system, which controls emotions and survival instincts. So a good smell is very likely to affect your mood on a primal level that is amazing does that sound like a yoga thing yes it really does i'm just gonna spray this all the time i know so amazing so also the last thing that's really awesome well two things one Mm -hmm. is they ship everywhere so they ship all over the world including australia good which is pretty freaking amazing because they're actually from australia good (laughs) and this the last thing is they have a special promo code just for our listeners oh 
that's wonderful. It's like getting a little present for yourself. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so good. I love online shopping. <laughs> I know. It's the very best, especially when they have like really fun messaging yep. and bubble wrap. And they're beautifully wrapped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so cool. So if you go to frankieandmer.com forward slash discount forward slash make the thing. Very nice. Because that's our show That's name, us. <laughs> then you can get 15% off your entire purchase. That's wonderful. Okay. So Frankie and Mer, thank you. Uh, very much. Thank you. Yay. This is a, like a bit of a change of tack now. What were you like as a kid? Uh, so I was, uh, so when I was really young, I was really chattery. And then I got to school and I got bullied a lot for being a real chatterbox. And so I got really withdrawn and I was quite a whingy Christian. Really, <laughs> really whingy and sooky. Like, and I was really, uh, you know, I was friendly with people, but I was, um, you know, really second guess myself a lot. When I started working at Safeway, I've got this memory of walking down an aisle um, and wearing a bright red apron and a bright red tie and my name on my badge. And uh, a guy that worked there as well walked down the aisle and said hi. And I just kind of nodded and kind of tried to smile and realized I couldn't even say hi to this person that worked at the same company. I kind of sat down sat down in the change room and had a conversation with myself saying, you've just got to get over this. You're about to go work in a register. You're going to be talking to people all day. <laughs> just yeah. sort this out, right? Um, so I was, I was really uncomfortable in my own skin because I was a little bit odd in, well, I wasn't the same as everyone else, but I've come to the realization as I've gotten older, no one is the same as everyone else. No, no <laughs> they're not. No. And it's like your superpower. It's actually your greatest strength, yeah, the yeah. thing that makes you different. Yeah. yeah. And look, I'm just, I'm just un- unapologetically myself now. So I'm the loudest person in the office. Well, there's one other person that's quite loud too, but I am like, I'm one of the loudest people in the office. And you'd think that one of the bosses should be more restrained and I just, that's just no, not me. No, no. It's just not me, right? And I'm not going to do that because I want to bring my, my whole self to work. Yeah. I want everyone to bring their whole selves to work, right? Absolutely. Well, you're spot on the money with the research because they say women in the workplace should just be themselves because they can't win either way yeah. in, in a management role. <laughs> so the best way to do it is to be yourself. Yeah. Going back to that conversation you have with yourself, how did you then leave that room and go, I'm just going to completely change who I am now and keep ch- and talk to people or go back to being who you really were. So it was just the opportunity. It was just the thought that I could say hello to a person and that wasn't going to be the end of the world. So sitting on a register, you say, hi, how's your day been? Mm. And they're going to tell you what their day's been and you can have a nice chat. And I found it really cathartic. So when, when I was 18, my mum passed away and I went back to, I was working the whole, the whole way through and I found it really, really helpful for me because I could be working with a whole heap of people, like the general public, mm-hmm. who didn't know what was going on in my life mm. and I didn't have questions being asked to me and people feel sorry for me, right? So I yeah. could still be really happy and, and have a moment of, of normality without having people, you know, not feeling sorry for me but worrying about what was going on with me, right? Mm. So talking with people and just being myself has mm. always been the way I've been able to get through things and I will talk about anything. Yeah, that's wonderful. (laughs) There is something in talking to someone that doesn't know you Mm. that's kind of, I'm the same, I love it because you – it's almost easier, so much easier to talk to people that don't actually know you and know yeah. all the complicated stuff. And then you can just smile and be yourself and not have, because everyone's got stuff going on yeah. behind the scenes. It must have been so hard losing your mum at that age, because how old were you? 18. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Right when you really need Yeah. Need so just her. before I started uni. The week, oh, the week before I started uni. Yeah. Wow. I'm so sorry. Was it a shock? 
So she had she had lung cancer. She was diagnosed with lung cancer the week I was starting my year eleven exams, uh, end of year exams, and oh yeah, my goodness, so went pretty quickly. So yeah. wow, what was she like? She was awesome. Everyone now I'm going to get emotional. She was really awesome. She just loved people. She was just one of the nicest women. She just cared for people. She she was a nurse. She used her time to look after people. Even when she was at home, she used to go and volunteer and do stuff for the local nursing home. She used to help out at school. She just cared for people. Yeah. yeah. She'd be so proud of you then. Yeah. So like, she was just a really lovely woman. Yeah. yeah do it's you- really hard because um, being a teenager and being 18, I was a real jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you are, though. Everybody yeah, you're allowed to be, though, I think. Be, right? It's yeah. all about you at that point. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So, you know. It's just so much stuff now that I just know she would love and I'm just sad that she doesn't get to see it. Things like mum used to crochet. So she taught me how to crochet and she used to knit. And I think she'd just love Ravelry. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think she'd love looking at YouTube and seeing how people do new stitches. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 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 And your kids as well. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I lost my dad three years ago and I, I still, and I'm in three years, so I, I, I think it can be just as fresh no matter how much time has gone past. And then there are most, I just, when I, when I had my son, just, I had this weird realization there weren't any photos of him with my dad, even though obviously there wouldn't be, but it's a really, it sort of reminds you afresh all over again. I think once you have kids too. I think there's, there's, you know, especially too, when you're going through hard times, there's always a point point where you just go, well, my mummy. Yeah. And you know, no matter how old you are, no matter what happens, there's always that point, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially totally. with like with kids, I oh, think yeah. you're like, well, what am I supposed to understand this? What am I supposed to do? Who do I ask for advice? Yeah. Or even something. even when so I've, <laughs> even when your kids are driving bananas and you just think like everyone tells you, you know, everyone tells you how you were as a child, but your parents really know how you're a child, and mm. as your, your mother really know how you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of a jerk you were, and just you know not having anyone to be able to say, well, how was I in these kind of situations? Was I, you know, like understanding even just those special dynamics of like when you're growing up as a really little kid, you don't understand it, you don't know at the time, and you forget a lot of it. Whereas yeah. your parents will always remember that, and not having being able to bounce that off her, right? Not being yeah. able to see what that kind of relationship was like to see. Not to compare, but it helps you give context to your own relationship with your own kids. Yeah, I oh, imagine. totally. I'm constantly hearing mum being like, did you find this really hard? He's <laughs> doing this weird thing and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. What did it teach you as a human? You're losing your mum at, at so young an age. You just you just don't know what's going to come at you. And mm. you just there are things that are going to be really challenging and they're going to really suck. And you can get through a lot of stuff. Like I think um, I have, I, I think we're quite resilient and I can take a lot on because I know that when things have been really tough and there have been some really tough mm. points in life that, you know, if you keep just looking after yourself and mm. looking after the people around you, you will get through it. And things will be different and they won't be this, like they won't be, your happiness will be different, but you'll still have happiness and you'll still have things in life to be happy about and do you have particular like habits or things that you do that when you're feeling like life is getting really tough or it's a bit of a struggle to help kind of help you cope or help you kind of bring you out of that that feeling yeah so I if I've got if I'm going into a bit of a spiral 
I like to talk about what's going on. So I try and find whoever I can Someone, talk to. Yeah. yeah. To bounce things off. Because mm-hmm. I think it's not, I don't, because people necessarily can't help you directly. You need to be able to help yourself mm. by being able to talk about it and work it through and not just bottle it up. You've actually got a better chance of actually, you're actually getting through it by working out, you know, what is it that's actually holding you up in this and what's actually making you upset about it and what mm-hmm. do you actually need to do about that? What do you need to accept about it to move on to the next part of your life? That's very grown up. <laughs> I have yeah. to say, well, what, don't you think a lot of people, they go through tough times and they just don't say anything or they do anything to sort of manage it and then they'll, they'll internalise it and mm. it has flow-on effects for the rest or of their Or just life. a bit like you were saying, whinging, <laughs> just a bloody whinger, yeah. mate. Stop complaining and, and do find something. a solution. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. You have to realize that you have control over how you feel. Yeah, yep. And and if with caveats, obviously, right? So if if something in your life is making you really miserable, like then you need to do something about that, right? If if you're not getting joy out of your work and every morning you're waking up and hating life, then you need to think about what it is that's not giving you enjoyment there and what can you do, right? change it totally is it something about how you're doing something there is it the environment you're working with Mm -hmm. is it a relationship with one particular person there that gives you a lot of angst what is it and then how do you change that and what can you do because i I firmly believe you can i firmly believe that you can actually empower yourself to make changes that will actually give you more control over things and make you much happier about where you are right Mm -hmm. there are some things there are some things that that will always be a challenge and I think, you know, there will be times you absolutely need help but being able to ask for that help and understanding that you've got something that needs help for is really important too. Yeah, mm. right. You're a very wise woman. She is, isn't she? I've learned a lot. Mm. <laughs> One of the things I hear really strongly is, is A, be yourself unashamedly. Yes. B, accept the things that you can't change and ex- just have acceptance for A, who you are, but B, the shit that happens to you because – life is going to throw stuff at you life will absolutely throw things at you you can't control that it's just how you deal with it right and that's mm. and you know look i'm not no one's perfect and i don't it's not that i'm sitting here saying accept everything with grace and goodwill <laughs> no you can't bloody suck yeah <laughs> that's it. things can really suck and you're allowed to have yeah you're allowed to have times where you just feel like this is just too hard and i don't want to do this anymore i want a refund like mm. you're allowed mm. to feel like that but the reality is you've got to wake up the next day and get through the next thing and, and working out how you can actually do that and, and have peace and happiness as you go through it is really important. Mm. Yeah. Being a proactive person in That's your, what I was in your own say. life. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like if you if there's something in your life, what I'm getting a sense is that there's something in your life that you don't like, there are steps you can take to change not necessarily the situation itself but your reaction to it and the way that you feel about it, Mm. which is good because at least you don't get – I mean, when you say you talk things through with people, often I try and talk through my own issues in my own head and I think that's part of my problem. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're not really resolving the issues. You just go around in circles. I love what Natalie said about asking for help. In general, maybe not just from yourself, but from others. Yeah. It's amazing, I think, when you do that, even internally too, you ask and you say, actually, I can't do this right now. Whatever your religious beliefs are or spiritual beliefs or anything, that action of going, you know what, I need help. How can I seek it? How can, what can I get to, to solve this or fix this or move forward? Yeah, that's right. Look, and 
you've got to you've got to be able to do that because you know otherwise you get stuck doing the same thing over and over, and over again. again yeah right and yeah. life's just too fleeting to get stuck in the same stuff over yeah and over. yeah is that is that something your mum taught you too do you think or losing her taught you that it's fleeting yeah so my mum my mum never travel overseas she wanted to um, but she met my dad and decided to stay in Australia instead, mm. which is great. It's um, kind of romantic too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she decided, yeah, she decided she wasn't going to go overseas. She was planning on going to live there with her friends in England as a nurse, mm-hmm. um, but stayed in Australia instead. So before I met my husband, I, I, I was planning on going to live overseas with one of my girlfriends mm. and we were planning for that. And I randomly decided six months before that I was going to go on a, like a six, well, three week Kentucky tour, right? Um, and my dad said to me at the time, why are you spending all this money on a holiday when you go over there in, in six months time? I said, because I know I'm going on this holiday now and I don't know what will happen between now and then. Mm-hmm. And if something happens and I don't go overseas, I'm not going to regret it because oh, I've had a trip over here. Mm-hmm. And uh, a month before I went on my holiday, I met, I started going out with my husband. And so when my girlfriend actually went That's overseas amazing. to live, mm. I moved in with John. Wow. So That's some kind of freaky foresight though. Yeah. Like It's almost like you predicted not predicted, but almost like you sensed that it was just, coming. Yeah. Or I just, I just don't want to ever feel like I've not, not missing out, but you mm. make choices about what you're missing out yeah. to do. Right. And being thoughtful about that. Right. So I wanted to travel and I wanted to see some stuff and it meant that I knew that I was doing it then. And I had a great time on my holiday. I met mm. some really lovely people, but I didn't feel like not moving overseas. I missed out doing that. So yeah. I choice later on. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Traveling and then meeting the love of your life. That sounds delightful. (laughs) So can I just digress for a second? When you got married, did you have like a traditional ceremony or did you have a celebrant? Celebrant. You had a celebrant too. Celebrant, yeah. Oh, okay. And and I I don't know how long it's been since you've been married, but like reflecting back on that moment, like did you – think I don't know at the time this is something that I want to do too or you weren't even we just were in that love space maybe you were more in the love space at the time (laughs) I didn't it wasn't something at the time I thought I wanted to do but interestingly when I told everyone when I finally had the courage to tell everyone I was going to become a celebrant so many people said to me oh yeah you'd be really good at that oh yeah you've been talking about things like that for ages like Like, why didn't you tell me (laughs) I didn't I didn't know how I mean obviously I'm, I'm really good at uh at letting people know what's going on my head all the time mm. because they all knew that this is something I'd been thinking about. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah, but so, look, um, our celebrant was lovely and she did a really good job, mm-hmm. uh, but there are things the way she did things that I do differently because I know that it would have been made it – Yeah. She's a celebrant and, like, as a celebrant, I see the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I know over and over again what's going to work and what's not going to work. Yeah, right. But I also know what will be make it easier for the couple. And mm-hmm. so because it's something I do for – passion and I don't I don't take a lot of weddings on I have more time to just do the things that I wanted to be able to do for it so mm. only booking one wedding on a day so that I'm not rushing around between things just means that I'm really calm and relaxed about if people are running late it's fine things can that'll be fine no problem I'm not worried about where I've got to be after that yeah right mm. I think that when you do something creative and the more I listen to you talk the more I realize Our creative drive or passion is so linked in to who we are as a person and so intrinsically 
kind of happens because of events that have happened to us as well in our lives. But it's so important to have an outlet and something that isn't just your work. And and it doesn't mean that you have to throw out everything and put your full-time job Mm. as celebrant. Do you find having it as a side gig actually gives you joy as opposed to it being your full-time job? Yeah. So, I know, so I've got a lot of people, a lot of friends who are full-time celebrants and they get so much joy out of doing it full-time and that's great. Mm. But I think me being able to – I pick and choose when I do weddings and I, you know, I can – because I don't have a lot of weddings on, I can just devote myself completely to that and just – I get a lot of love for that doing it that way. If I was doing having to do a lot of it, I think I'd find it really stressful for having to fit to timelines for every single couple in a different way and, you know, I can take a lot more time to do things because yeah. it's just my time that I'm taking, not carving out time from other couples' yeah. time, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that your creative outlet that you do for you is still actually for other people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you think that you need to do something else just for you or it just gives you that much joy that you're like, you know what, this is my purpose? Well, even this is it, even if I was saying some of the other creative outlets I've got, like I like to crochet, so mum taught me how to do it and I like to make baby blankets and things. Oh, but it's still for other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're probably not keeping them all for yourself. That's right. Yeah. I'm hoarding them in my bag. <laughs> yeah. no, I like to make things for other people. I just like what makes me happy is giving other people happiness. Like I just Yeah, that's like something that's happy. lovely. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and and I, I guess a gift that your mum's given you, yeah. that outlook on life. I totally, my dad was all about that, that you give out really of yourself and then. You'll get it back. Yeah, the In universe, space. it's amazing. Mm. Don't clutch onto the things that you have or the person that you are and try and get things for you. It's that outward lookingness. Oh, I, I, sort of people that get frustrated with me because I do, I because I feel I give too much of myself sometimes. Mm. but And I should not rein it back, but just be thoughtful about how I do it. But every time I do it because even if I don't get the right, if even if I don't get the same response back, if someone's not going to be as effusive about it as maybe I am, mm. I still would do it that way because that's who that's I who am. That's who you are. Yeah. And Unapologetic. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I don't want to cut back because I think that person's not going to appreciate it as much. That's, mm. Yeah. Or make them feel guilty because mm. <laughs> <laughs> they can't do it as well as you are. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that's, I mean, that's really lovely that you can do something for other people, but you feel like it's something for yourself, just as much for yourself as it is for someone else. Yeah. Mm, totally. Um, I have one more question, which is a silly one, but it's one that's been going through my head a lot. What do you wear as a celebrant? Sorry. <laughs> I just bought myself a new dress. It's so exciting. No, seriously, because it's like everyone looks their fanciest on the wedding day. Mm. What do you wear? As, like I was, yeah, curious. So becoming a celebrant also means that I can just spend a lot of money at review because I love Oh, oh nice. cute. Yeah. <laughs> so I try and go for something that is nice without being too overdone. So it's usually I've got a black and white dress because it tends to blend in with what everyone else is wearing. Mm-hmm. Really conscious of what the bridesmaids' colours are. Oh, yeah, you don't want to be mistaken. You know what I mean? It's a whole thing. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to be ash with the bridesmaids mm-hmm. either, right? You know, no. What color suits the guys wearing? Because if they're wearing blue, you don't really want to wear black because it clashes. And- so do you get all this information before you? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> That's very wise. Yeah. When we were looking at celebrants, I remember seeing one lady online and she actually had all her herself in her all her outfits and so you could choose which outfit oh you my goodness. to wear. <laughs> Yeah. I, that is a massive 
thing because really so much of a wedding now is the like Pinteresting everything. Yes. And if you're not like the priest kind of dresses in a thing, that's standard. So you're like, well, it's a priest there. He's, yeah. you know, whatever. But yeah, as a woman and, and you'd also not want to like – outshine the bride yeah. or be too overdressed but you want to do you sometimes change what you would wear depending on the couple usually more on the location oh yeah so, oh, that makes sense yeah, yeah like on a beach or something <laughs> yeah can you give us an example so what was so you- yeah exactly exactly that if it's a beach wedding i'm less likely to wear my more formally black mm. dress and I'd be more likely to wear something more floral and a bit more with a bit more Fun. movement in it. And no yeah. stilettos then maybe either no, right. yeah. <laughs> in the sand. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to stand on your tiptoes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have one more question. So for the on the actual day, it's the ceremony, do you have a favorite part of it that you're involved in oh, that good you one. see? Like I love watching the groom watching the bride come down. Oh, I love I, I love, love that, that too. It's just, oh. it's just the look. It's just so sweet. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's really special. Aww. Just, uh, you know, I get to watch them just look at each other and, you know. Yeah. Do you think it's? I was trying to find out why that is. Do you think it's because guys don't necessarily always have that many vulnerable, completely unashamedly emotional moments? Mm. I think also it's that, but as well at the same time, so many people are focused on who's coming down the aisle. Mm. And so it's just so nice to see that particular, like not, it's quite, you're going to be one of very few people seeing that reaction because everyone yeah. else is looking at who's coming down, which is great, right? Yeah. Everyone wants to see her in the dress, right? I always want to see how what his reaction is to it. Oh, yeah. that's so, so sweet. Oh, I do love that part though too. That really, too. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Well, thank you, Natalie Story. What a lovely story. (laughs) I'm celebrating. Um, And so where can people find you if they want you to be their celebrant? They can find me on Facebook and they can find me on my website, which is story, S-T-O-R-R-I-E, celebrations.com.au. Wonderful. Beautiful. Okay. Well, now I'm going to be recommending you as a boss or a celebrant (laughs) or both. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and speak to us today. No, it's been my pleasure. Thank you yeah, very much. Thank you very much, particularly as my house is just all in boxes because we're literally moving tomorrow. <laughs> my house is still in boxes. Don't worry too much about that. Okay, good. Well, that's what being a woman is, isn't it? Just right. multitasking mm-hmm. a million things. Correct. Okay, thank you. thank you. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, Not Tweety Bird and not Sylvester, which James told me is actually the quote that I said, but Claire Tonti and Chanel Luchev. And we were joined today by the wonderful Natalie Story, who, gosh, has a really great story to tell. For more podcasts like this and open-hearted interviews, you can go back through the feed. There's wonderful interviews with Luke McGregor and Celia Pacola, with the wonderful Jess Perkins from the Do Go On pod, with Jess Harris, who's a Melbourne-based comedian, and so many more. If you would like to hear more from me, you can go to Claire Tonti on Instagram or you can also go to my Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies. You can email the show at justmakethethingpod at gmail.com. And for more podcasts on our network, go to planetbroadcasting.com. And yes, an Uber's just been delivered and yes, I have paid James. <laughs> Nothing but professionalism in the Sunday household. Okay, guys, I'm on some painkillers for this whole lisp thing. So um, you have to excuse me. 
I'm missing some teeth in my face. Oh, and there's also the story of why I'm missing teeth further back in the feed as well, if you want to pop along in there. Anyway, my Uber Eats is here, so I better go. But I hope you enjoyed this story from Natalie's story. And if you want more podcasts, visit planetbroadcasting.com. There are so many more to discover. Sam Moy from Human Ordinary is launching his new series this week. And boy, is it great. So on with things and off we go. Oh, and I also forgot to mention, as always, the wonderful Raw Collings who edits this show and is putting up with me and my lispy lispiness. So he is brilliant. You can find him also Um, He manages our Facebook and our Twitter for Planet Broadcasting and for the Weekly Planet and Reddits and our website and a whole lot of other things. So a big shout out to him. He also does some really funny and great animations for the Weekly Planet too. He's cool. Okay, now I really am signing out. Have a wonderful week, guys. Bye. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.